will Liam Lawson fare then on his Formula One debut? It is the Dutch Grand Prix here at Zandvoort. The man with the green flag is satisfied that everyone is in place. And after the biggest, noisiest build-up, it's lights out and away we go. Verstappen and Norris get away equally well. George Russell ahead of Alex Albon and Max Verstappen will lead into turn one. From the Bulletin. Yes, indeed, it's the bulletin this morning with Ben Strang. And, uh, Ben, we played that little bit of audio there um, on the start for Liam Lawson. The, the fact of the matter is he finished a pretty creditable 13th on debut in the Dutch Grand Prix uh, and uh, taking a 10-second penalty in pit lane, uh, pit lane as well. So what did you make of that first up effort from uh, Liam Lawson? Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Good morning, listeners. Uh, that was pretty remarkable, to be honest. I, I stayed up and watched it. Uh, I love Formula One, and I, I uh, love it when I get to see a, a New Zealander involved, which isn't very often these days. It's not since the 60s and 70s that you've had a, a good number of drivers uh, in that uh, format. So it was great to see Liam Lawson make his debut, and uh, he did about as well as uh, as he could have. It was a pretty remarkable performance given everything that he had to deal with. I mean, to only have one practice session in the car, and that was in the wet, uh, difficult conditions to get to terms with a new track and a new car. Uh, qualifying was much the same. To, to qualify 20th was um, no real surprise. Uh, and then he said beforehand that uh, if you know if the, the track was dry on race day, he'd have to basically relearn the track because of the the changing conditions, which happened. So he had to do that. He uh, he overtook Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari uh, at, at one point, which was fantastic to see. Um, so, I mean, this is a, a pretty amazing performance, really. I actually messaged a friend of mine yesterday saying, you know, it's a pity he's in the worst car on the grid. But, man, if mm. he could finish P13 and ahead of his teammate, wouldn't that be some performance? Not really expecting that to actually happen, and it did. So that's uh, it's, it's amazing, really. Okay, so where does he sit now on the back of that? I mean, will people just note that in their notebook and say, well, if we need him, uh, we know he's there? Or is it good enough to think, well, hello, um, this is a guy with a huge future. Can we maybe cash in on it? Yeah, it's it's really hard to tell. So other teams will certainly take note of it. Uh, he hasn't shown anything yet to make other teams sort of jump up and try to snatch him away from the Red Bull family. But if he does get a few more chances, if, if Daniel Ricciardo's out for a while, that the suggestion I saw was that this surgery could see him out for a couple of months. We'll see if that's the case. But if he gets a few more chances and improves himself even further, then other teams will be taking notice. But I guess the key person he needs to impress is the Red Bull head honcho, Helmut Marco, who is in charge of their drivers, in charge of their driver program mm-hmm. uh, for, for both Red Bull and AlphaTauri. And uh, if he's impressing Helmut Marco, then that is the key thing. And you've got to wonder, you know, Daniel Ricciardo came into the AlphaTauri seat until the end of the season. It doesn't seem Red Bull are overly happy with Checo Perez as their second driver at Red Bull. And you could imagine maybe a little shuffle could happen there where Daniel Ricciardo moves back to Red Bull and there's a free seat at AlphaTauri. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that next season we might see Liam Lawson with a permanent seat. And if he continues to perform like he did at Zandvoort overnight, then there's no reason to suggest he's not good enough. Where does Verstappen sit now for you in all time? <clears throat> uh, it's, hard to, it's hard for me to say. Um, they, are, they are so dominant. That, that car is so dominant. 
But at the same time, uh, the reason I say it's it's hard to say is because because of Chico Perez, to be honest. Uh, he is in the same car as Max Verstappen and is putting in vastly different performances. Now, is that because Checo is not a very good driver or is that because Max Verstappen is an absolute master and is getting the absolute most out of that car? It's it's very tough to say. I think um, his first world championship title is very controversial and, and I, I I'm not sure how that all happened, but this this uh, last season and this season he has been utterly dominant on a on a different level, sort of like Seb- Sebastian Vettel was uh, in the mid 2010s, uh, and he gives off sort of Michael Schumacher vibes at, at times with the way he can just manage a race. So uh, a, a phenomenal driver. I would like to see some more competitive cars to just see just how good he is. Uh, but at the moment, the way he manages races, he's right up there. He's a phenomenal driver. Right, uh, Ben, can we uh, look at this uh, women's football debacle, and it's now becoming that, uh, that is Spain. Um, They are the world champions. There's no doubt about that. They were the best side. But since that uh, moment where they started to uh, mosey on across uh, the podium to pick up their medals, they got uh, Louis uh, Rubiales, uh, of course, their their boss, embracing them, kissing them, whatever. It has absolutely turned into a complete and utter disaster. It is uh, now reported that 11 members of the coaching team have quit. Uh, the Spanish releases are now deleted statements suggesting there was consent. What a crazy time this is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a farce, isn't it? I mean, you've won the World Cup. As an FA, that's what you want all the focus on. There's a Football Association for Spain. They've won the World Cup. They just want everyone celebrating this to to increase numbers in women's football, to 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 you know surf that wave of success, and then they've you know uh, <laughs> I, I do I do just find it remarkable that like you just mentioned, they put out this statement saying that um, you know the the kiss happened in the moment from Jenny Hermosa, a statement from her. Then she says they're not I didn't I didn't say that like they're not my words. The FA's just made that up. And that is absolutely remarkable that they would do that. They've stuck behind the president um, for him to now be suspended by FIFA, to be suspended by um, basically the Spanish government as well while they investigate. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in two minds about it because that statement as well, you know, suggesting that it was in the moment, that's kind of how it seemed actually when I watched the footage is he was very pumped up. Um, did something he absolutely should not have. Like, there's no way he should have grabbed her head and kissed her on the lips. Like, this shouldn't happen in the celebrations. But I feel like he could have explained it away in that way, apologised, you know, sincere apology. Maybe this all, you know, goes away. But instead, to, mm. to double down and say it was consensual. Like, I mean, at what point was she supposed to have consented in that process? If you watch the video, it's not like she's like, yes, kiss me, please. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's absolutely <laughs> remarkable, and it's um, yeah. it's sort of you know, it, it's the it's the prototypical sort of uh, white male shtick, I guess, that you would expect in this situation has happened from the president. I just can't believe that the Spanish FA have have mucked this up like they have. Uh, look, uh, it's hard to to well work out where this is all going to end, but it's not going to end in kisses. I can tell you that more like tears and blood. <laughs> um, as it's. Uh, as it finally unfolds and when that is, uh, I do not know. Talking about uh, tears, there are a few tears for All Black fans at the weekend. Ben, what did you make of that? Are you worried now? Uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm that person who uh, revels in a bit of this. So I, I, I find it remarkable when the, the All Blacks aren't performing. I, I also, I don't, I, I don't know, and maybe maybe listeners have been uh, dialing in and, and texting in with their frustrations and, and they're just as passionate as ever. But for me, my sort of feeling about the mood of the nation, if you like, is that they're, they're in behind other teams at the moment. Um, the All Blacks are kind of slightly under the radar as they head to the World Cup. We've had the, the Women's World Cup and, and the Football Ferns take us on a little ride there for a moment. Um, people are loving where the New Zealand Warriors are at in the NRL. And so the rugby is kind of taking a back seat in some ways. And this, of course, is not the spotlight they want heading into the World Cup to bring people back to rugby and, and back to focusing on the team. Um, but but I do wonder if, if just, you know, the, act, the way that New Zealand rugby has also acted over a long number of years hasn't exactly brought fans on the train to, to support the team. So I do wonder if, you know, if there are another couple of very poor performances at the World Cup where, where rugby actually sits uh, in terms of, of the the national psyche, because um, that performance was absolutely dreadful. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Probably the worst All Blacks performance in their history. And uh, it doesn't exactly inspire confidence heading into the World Cup in that first game against France when they're going to be missing a few of their key players, it seems. May only have two fit locks. So, uh, yeah, I, I just see an opportunity for other sports as well to perhaps seize on this. And and I suspect fans are seizing on that. Uh, it's an interesting one for me um, because uh, Ian Foster still has an opportunity to make changes or little adjustments to his squad. Whether that will eventuate, I do not know. But the other thing about this is too, a large chunk of this Rugby World Cup is going to overlap with the Cricket World Cup coming out of India at a really good time for us to view, late in the afternoon, early evening, etc. And I just kind of wonder about the numbers here overall. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's um, that's what I wonder as well. I mean, and, and it say, you know, I mean, let's say that the cricketers get off to a rollicking start and uh, are winning their matches and, and win a big match up against India or, or Australia or whatever it is, and they're starting to look like a really good chance at the World Cup. Um, does does everything flip to to support the Black Caps? I mean, that's that's how it feels to me at the moment. Is that people are looking for these other sports, and if the Warriors go deep into the finals, obviously Tohu Harris um, possibly being out isn't a good thing. But if they make a deep run in the NRL playoffs, like the the focus is going to be in New Zealand entirely on this Warriors run. I mean, the the support is phenomenal for them. Um, I think the All Blacks have a big problem here, and and it's not necessarily all on the on the field, although that's a massive contributor. It is, it is uh, huge actually. I, I mean, I, I would imagine they got a bucket load of cash, New Zealand rugby, for that game in the weekend. But at what cost mm. to uh, confidence, etc. Radio. Um, just finally, um, a bit of a downer this because she's been the darling of New Zealand sports fans for such a long period of time. We feel like we've grown up with her because she started so young, Lydia Co. I'm talking about here. Um, but at the moment, uh, some, playing some golf that she certainly must be concerned about. Uh, she's got an 82, an 82, her worst round ever. Um, it's just uh, amazing to think of the numbers associated with her name. Yeah, absolutely. What's, what's your handicap, Smitty? Um, my handicap is uh, a very rough 12.8, which equates to 13 when I stand on the first tee at Bridge Bar. 
<laughs> Mine, mine's a seven, and I think uh, if I shot an 82 on, on some courses, I'd be fairly happy, uh, and I feel like this is the equivalent of me shooting something like a 95 and just wondering what the hell was happening with my golf game. Um, it's, it's, it is it's is bizarre because she was so good last year. Um, it, it appears that Lydia Ko may have lost some confidence in, in her swing or, or whatever it may be. I, I do see some quotes after this in her press conference where she says – she felt a lot of expectations coming into this year, um, and and she says that's external and internal. So so she definitely, I think, felt the pressure of expectation after such a good 2022. Uh, but at the same time, she says that you know the things she's working on, she actually feels really good about, and they're just not necessarily translating out onto the course. Mm-hmm. So, and and I sort of. <laughs> I sort of feel that because sometimes when you go out and play golf, uh, you don't know why, but you just can't hit anything straight, right? I mean, um, it's it's a very, yeah. very difficult sport. And that's the other thing she says, you know, golf's hard. Um, so, you know, and, and I think if your psyche's slightly off, uh, you can be in trouble. So I do hope that she turns it around. She seems confident that what she's doing in training is working. Uh, it'll be mm-hmm. fantastic to see Lydia Coe get back on top of her game. Certainly would, Ben. Uh, thanks very much for your perspective on uh, the bulletin this morning across all those four very diverse sports, actually. Have a terrific week, mate. Thank you for your time. You too. Cheers, Smithy.